Hey, everybody. Uh, good afternoon. Happy holidays to you all. Uh, yours truly, Chaley Ridge here, Ridge Lending Group. I am pre-recording next Tuesday's Live with Chaley, uh, December 26th in advance. Um, I will not be here live with you, so you're going to be watching this from the comfort of your uh, your Barca lounger, your home, your office, wherever you're going to be. Uh, so I will see you all in the new year. I'm looking forward to that. I think there's going to be some awesome opportunities for us real estate investors in 2024. I'm going to touch on that. Um, we have been promoting this live with Shaley, pre-recorded live with Shaley, uh, topic of risk management and understanding non-owner occupied investing. And I think that the wording on that might have been a little bit confusing. So just to uh, clarify, that part of my recording today is going to be focused on risk management from a lending perspective. Okay, I want to kind of shine a light on what goes on behind the scenes, mortgage-backed securities for investment property, residential investment property, single family to four unit, not necessarily risk management from an investor, you, me perspective. I want to give you guys um, uh, access to why is it different? Why are the rates different? Why are the points different? Why are the underwriting guidelines different? on a non-owner occupied mortgage versus the owner occupied where you live. So we're going to touch on that. Um, and then I'm going to take a few minutes and just talk about uh, the state of the market, what we can expect interest rates. Obviously everybody wants to know about interest rates. I'm, I'm happy to provide my 1.3 cents for that, where we think we're going to be going uh, 2024. Holy cow. Uh, 2024. And then again, just some of the opportunities that I'm seeing already as a result, because we have seen some improvement in rates. I will come back to that. But even just that small bit of, of improvement or reduction in interest rate, we're starting to uh, see more people jumping off the fences and getting into contract, et cetera. Um, I think between now and March, where you know spring season typically historically for real estate is when we start to see um, transactions pick up. So we'll, we'll have some opportunities, I think, in the interim to take advantage of, of those. Okay. So let me come back to that. Let's just kind of focus. This probably won't be a very long recording. Um, so let's just start with the risk management from a lender and um, secondary market perspective. So let's go back a little ways. And I want to paint a picture for you guys on how things were prior to 2008, 2009. For anybody listening that is old enough, um, you will remember that 0809 was cataclysmic in its devastation of both lending and housing, real estate. Uh, I don't think I'm going to go down the rabbit hole of explaining what brought us to that point, what happened prior to that to create such an effect where housing and lending imploded simultaneously. Um, uh, and just, it, it was absolutely horrific and what it did to this country. If you're interested, I do encourage you to, to do a little bit of your own due diligence, uh, and look back and see, um, what you can find out. There's a good movie, at least from the, the lending perspective, the big short, um, uh, it's about Michael. What's his name? Oh God, I can't even remember, but Christian Bale was in it. The big short, go watch it. That should fill in some blanks about the lending side of, of what, uh, all happened why it happened, how it happened, and, and some of the um, aftermath of that. Uh, speaking of the aftermath, this is the reason that we have the structure for underwriting guidelines and, and 
you know, terms, et cetera, for non-owner occupied is very directly a result of 0809. So some of the things I want to share with you guys are as follows. Um, when housing completely erupted, um, some of the biggest secondary investors and lenders in the world um, went under. There was something called an, an implodometer that daily we were watching big name uh, investors and lenders um, uh, saying no. I mean, they were filing Chapter 11. It, it was it was horrible. Um, it was horrific to watch. Uh, in what happened on the ground, boots on the ground with the um, properties and the people that owned the homes, um, real estate fell through the floor. You had properties that were valued at say a million dollars, couldn't be sold uh, for 300,000. I had one of those actually in Florida. We had a million dollar property and um, home values just went, I mean, they plummeted almost, it felt like almost overnight. Uh, we had lots and lots of properties and trying to short sale or offload some of those was, was absolutely impossible. Um, and what people were doing at the time when they, they kind of saw some of the writing on the wall, uh, they were, their home that was worth X to start with is now worth half or less the value. The next door home that was in foreclosure, for example, they were going to purchase for cents on the dollar, right, of what the real values were. So um, homeowners were taking advantage of a situation and they were purchasing the house next door to theirs for 250000 and they were letting their own owner-occupied home go into foreclosure after they had their new home. The mortgage on the home that they were letting go was, uh, I don't know, five hundred, seven hundred $700,000 left on that mortgage. And now they have the exact same property or damn near close to same property next door down the street um, for a fraction of what mortgage debt they have on the one that they decided to let go. And that was happening um, in, in large numbers. As soon as it started to pick up steam, um, it, it created an already horrible situation and made it uh, exponentially worse. So that is one of the um, catalysts to the changes, the massive changes in lending and the risks that secondary markets um, were not prepared to cover. And as a result, the playing field that we find ourselves in now. So in general terms, um, investment property, investment loans have always, or yeah, property loans have always been deemed riskier. Um, I think that that was probably true pre-0809, but post-0809, the same mentality still exists. And I'm not sure I agree with that. I'm not in a position to make any policy change, so it's not going to be up to me. But here are my thoughts about it. Um, Post 08, well, let's go, let's go pre 0809. You could fog a mirror and get a loan, and even an investment loan. And there was some, some very irresponsible lending going on. We didn't take part in, in those most irresponsible, uh, irresponsible type mortgages, things called NEGAM loans, where uh, you actually could add interest to the top of your principal balance and go upside down. Story for another time. We didn't get into that stuff, but you did have much higher leverage back then. You could do stated income for self-employed people. Um, uh, you know, you, you really, you could have a pulse and get a loan. Well, once 08, 09 happened, especially for non-owner occupied, because it is deemed that riskier mortgage as an example of why, you know, if you think about investors 
and let's say somebody gets into financial duress, okay? And they have to make a decision between making the mortgage on the home that they live in with their family and making their investment property mortgage and the tenant has vacated or whatever, which one are they gonna, they gonna cover first, right? So that's one of the, the primary or basic um, mechanics to why an investment property is going to be deemed higher risk. Um, but back to my point, so pre 0809, high loan to value, uh, little skin in the game, um, not as much scrutiny for qualifying, credit score wasn't necessarily as, as prevalent uh, a component of it. You could have much lower credit scores, higher debt to income ratio, like I said, the stated income loans, et cetera. Well, let's go now post 0809, let's fast forward a little bit. Dodd-Frank, the sweeping legislation that changed everything, um, you went from fogging a mirror to having to walk on water. And again, I'm speaking specifically about non-owner occupied or investment property loans. Uh, as you guys know, those of you that have been investing, maybe you started investing after 0809, so this is all you know, um, very, very different than what it used to be. But you guys have heard me, you know, my stupid token joke, vials of blood and DNA samples, right? Well, if you think about it in comparison to what it was then versus what it is now, it's almost true, right? We have to absolutely be stellar and, and conventionally speaking um, in all as, uh, facets of qualification. So interest, uh, excuse me, credit score qualifications, much higher than they used to be. There is a, a standard. You know that for those of us that have more than six finance properties, you must maintain that 720 or greater credit score on conventional financing. So that bar has been risen quite a bit. Um, assets, right? Assets used to be, you know, maybe two, three, six months worth of PITI, principal interest taxes and insurance for those that aren't familiar with that acronym on the subject property only. Now the reserve requirement is, is far greater than it, it ever was before. It's a, a function of a percentage of the unpaid principal balance on all of your rental properties. Um, the sourcing and seasoning, all of those things are now much higher level of qualification than they were before. Debt to income ratio, likewise, um, much higher qualification. There is not really on a conventional side or, or those, those more um, uh, favorable loan terms you're not going to find stated income. We do have debt service coverage ratio. Uh, it took a while to get that one back, by the way. Um, but most importantly, that leverage piece went away. So when we could put 5% down or 10% down on an investment property, as you know, the skin in the game for investors is much, much heavier. So when you think about all of that, and the reason that I disagree, I feel like um, the, the changes that were made as a result of what had happened I think investors took the biggest hit uh, because we are forced to have 20 and 25% down, those higher credit scores, all of those different variables. When on an owner-occupied side, you've got you know 5% down, 3.5% down, credit scores as low as you know 620 in many cases, much higher debt-to-income ratio allowances, and that's how it exists today. Um, again, understanding the why if you're going to make forced to be made forced to make a, a choice choice between making your owner occupied payment and your investment property payment i understand that um but and that's fine right we we have to have these these extra layers of protection for the you know the the golden rule the one with the gold makes the rules um but the 
guideline and the process to to get across the finish line for investor loans is become much more um, complicated. And I feel like the level of um, qualification between owner-occupied and non-owner-occupied investors have to be up here, right? So when we talk about risk management from a secondary mortgage-backed security um, perspective, I feel like we should be, as investors, given a little bit more deference than we have. Not in a position to make those, those rule changes, but now hopefully that kind of gives you an idea of the why and, and why it's so much harder to get an investment property loan. Why is there more paper pushing? Um, why do I have to you know, give up my firstborn in order to get uh, an approval for a conventional loan or even you know, a non-QM loan, et cetera, et cetera? Those are some of the variables that, that I would share with you that are going on behind the lead veil in, in what we do every day. Um, okay, so that's what I wanted to share there. Let's talk about 2024 and what is in store. I think it's going to be a really good year for investors. Anybody that's, you know, maybe newer to investing and has been sitting on the fence um, waiting for rates to come down, I think that you're going to see that happening. If you've been paying attention to the um, the headlines, you've probably seen that interest rates have fallen a bit over the last couple of weeks, probably about three weeks now. The result of the PCE, uh, Personal um, Consumption Expenditure. This is an index um, that measures inflationary rates. Okay, there's a, um, a PCE, that's the one the Fed, the Fed Reserve looks at most closely. Um, CPI is another metric that is used, uh, consumer price index, but the Fed Reserve looks at the PCE more closely. Anyway, the report came out on the 30th of November, and the results proved that inflation is on the run. And as a result, we're seeing that interest rates are going to start coming down. Um, from the 30th of November to last week, I think it was the 14th or 15th of December, uh, the feds met again as they were scheduled to do, and they kept the Fed fund rate the same. They did not move it up again. Um, the comments from Mr. Jerome Powell, who is the Fed chair, seem to imply that uh, we can expect some rate cuts in 2024. When and by how much, I will not even try to speculate. I will share, uh, as I've said before to many of you, if you've listened to these, uh, interest rates fall much slower than when they go up. Okay, so I would not expect something where we see, you know, a, a percentage point or a percentage point and a half or two percent uh, interest rate reductions overnight. It's going to take some time, um, but I do think that what you'll see first and foremost for those of you that have gotten financing in the last year or so, you've noticed you've been paying more points as a result. Um, I've spoken on this before. I won't take our time today to get back into the why behind that. Uh, anybody that's interested, email me directly, cridge at ridgelendinggroup.com, and I will explain why points have been extra points on, an, especially investment transactions, have been prevalent for the last year in this high rate environment. So I think what you'll see going forward is, is that rates will come down slowly but surely is, is my anticipation, but the points that you've been paying should also come down. That should be the first thing that you see. It's called premium pricing, and you're going to have an option again to say, I don't want to pay these extra points when before you didn't have the option. It was what it was, and if you wanted to get a loan, you were going to have to pay those extra points. So I think that we're going to see that first, and then we'll start to see the interest rates come back down. 
I want to continue to reinforce this um, this sentiment, though. Largely depending on the loan amount that you guys are securing the loan for, the difference in your principal and interest payment for an eighth of a percentage point in rate or a quarter or a half or a full percent might be $5 a month. It might be $50 a month. Um, it's not. It's a more uh, psychological thing in your head when you think, Oh, rates have been at seven and a half or eight percent, which, by the way, and I, this is important to mention too, we have short memories as humans. I'm including myself in in that mix. Um, the average 30-year fixed interest rate for investors, um, historical average, is in the mid to high sixes. Okay, so keep that in mind. We we forget because pandemic, specifically because of the pandemic. We were at these historically low interest rates, probably something that we will not see again. So you need to be changing your expectation and what your returns um, are going forward because you're not going to be seeing three and four percent interest rates on investment properties. But as they come down, back to my point, um, as they come down, remember to do that math. The difference in the payments today at seven percent versus what they might be in three months at six point seven five might only be 10 bucks a month. So just make sure that you're looking at that. And if you are thinking that you want to wait to see how low rates come, I truly believe, and, and for whoever needs to hear this, this is not me trying to um, encourage you or motivate you to get into something now so I make some one-off commission. I promise you that is not my intention or, or agenda. Um, but if you are sitting on the sidelines waiting for interest rates to come down a quarter of a percentage point or a half of a percentage point, do that math and say, okay, I'm going to wait for rates to be at six and a half. Okay. Let's just say it's a half a point better because I'm going to save myself $25 a month. But in six months from now, when it gets there, those opportunities that you would have gotten today for that 25 bucks a month or whatever it is are probably not going to be there. So that leads me to the last part of this in that the winter months starting now, um, I think that you guys are, are going to be in a situation where if you're in the market to purchase, now is going to be a unique time. Um, homeowners, which we have to compete with, those that are purchasing for their own use, owner-occupied, um, are going to start coming out of the woodwork as interest rates start to fall, especially, of course, they're, they're seeing the headlines too. But the spring <coughs> is going to be when that picks up. There has never been a year that I, as long as I've been doing this, never in 25 years, where in the spring, it's not the busiest uh, purchasing time for real estate. That's when it starts. And, and you guys have heard this. The reasons for that is, is that you know after summer, fall, kids are getting back into school. Then you've got your holidays. It's winter months. People aren't buying and selling as much during that period of time. All the way through winter, spring comes, the blooms, et cetera. People start to wake up from their hibernation. Uh, it's just a natural process. Um, cyclical process of real estate. So from now until then, and we are seeing some some uh, improvement in rates, I think that you will have some opportunities. So be be looking for them. Okay, keep your eyes open. And if you're one of those people that says that the numbers just don't work, then you've got two options, as far as I can tell. You're looking in the wrong market, or maybe the wrong market or uh, neighborhood. So expand your your uh, trajectory, your your diameter of where you're looking, or change the model a little bit. If you're just looking at uh, single family resident long-term investment rental, maybe open up to two or two to four unit. 
maybe look at a midterm or a short term. Um, maybe you want to look to be a, you know, capitalize on being a, a private note lender. Maybe that's where you're going to find some extra returns. There's so many different facets and variables in real estate that you can be considering and looking at if the repair, or excuse me, if the returns that you're expecting are not relevant based on price point, interest rate. That's one small piece of it. You need to broaden your horizon. If you'd like some one-on-one -on -one time with me just to kind of spitball and, and strategize, that's what I do, guys. So take advantage of it. Uh, it's free. You know, I get I make my money when we close loans. And I don't just talk to, to investors or borrowers that are actively closing loans. I'm on the phone uh, and email all day, every day, um, you know, strategizing and, and figuring out ways in which you can um, successfully achieve your, your financial goals, your financial freedom. freedom. So um, take advantage of it. It's kind of the part that I like anyway. So you're not, you know, you're not wasting my time. Um, all right. I think that's good. What do we got here? That's 20 minutes. If you're still here listening to me, I appreciate you very much. Uh, can't wait to have our one-on-one -on -one conversations in the new year. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays for all of you. I'll see you in 2024. Um, be safe and be good to each other. See you soon.